0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: All right. Can you just say a couple of things? I just want to make sure you're still working.
2: How now, brown cow?
1: <laughs> all right. All right. Um, all right. I am going to st- Start in one, two, three. We're doing a Dynasty price check, looking at the Strength of Schedule streaming app and considering some interesting PP... Oh, shit. All right. Uh, I'm just going to do it like this.
2: (laughs) 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 All right. We're
1: doing a Dynasty price check and looking at the Strength of Schedule streaming app on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up,
2: Roto-Viz?
1: Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners here at Rotoviz, joined tonight by Curtis Patrick, the dynasty commander who's calling in from his car on his home, uh, on his way home from work. How are we doing, Curtis?
2: Yeah, hey, I'm I'm living the dream, man. Uh early to work, late home from work, uh, but I get to talk football with one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, to talk football with. Um, so yeah, this is gonna be great. Uh, I'm in a good mood. I've got some great, uh, positive thoughts to share already queued up for the end of the episode. So let's get to it, man. Awesome.
1: So we are going to do a little dynasty price check right now, but we're going to do this Curtis in a way that we've never done before. And that is, this is going to be a blind price check in that I'm going to read off some of the pertinent information about this player, some of their key stats, not giving you their name. Then based on that profile, we see what your reaction is in terms of how that player should probably be perceived uh, just off of their production. So the player that we're talking about is a second year wide receiver who put up Three wide receiver one performances as a rookie has just two this season, but across their time in the league has been a wide receiver one, 22% of the time, a wide receiver two, 17%. Um, They have been inactive in 15% of games. Their stats last year in 12 games, they saw 97 targets, put up 748 yards. That's 12 and a half yards per reception they had 5 receiving touchdowns 9 air yards per target this year they have 49 targets through 11 games they are putting up 432 yards that's 13.5 yards per reception with 3 touchdowns 469 air yards last year they had a target market share of 23% this year is it at it's at 16% they had a whopper last year 0.56 this year it's at 0.37 so you are looking at a player that had a pretty strong rookie season this year. They have tapered off to some degree, have become a little less involved in their offense in year two. I will say this is a player that had pretty good draft capital entering the league. Obviously, you can't see these numbers, but based upon what I told you, what does this player feel like?
2: Yeah, um, so if we were just coming off, a if we were in a rookie season where these Second year statistics were being put up. Um, you know, it would feel like this player maybe was a, a a late round, late first round rookie pick type of player last year, and I would say that I would you know, maybe be willing to pay same draft capital again. But feels like this player is trending in the wrong direction. Uh, I don't like I don't like the description. Less involved in his offense. Uh, the lack of availability and. the the seeming very sporadic fantasy ceiling that's been achieved, I don't think I'd be willing to pay more than a second round rookie pick for this player um, unless I'm just missing something huge. Like there's a a, a key piece of information I'm missing. So I I would say this player feels like a a random dynasty second.
1: Yeah, so... I have to say, I'm pretty impressed with how you were able to come up with that answer on the fly here without looking at anything. Uh, this player is Brandon Ayuk of the San Francisco 49ers. So really tremendous rookie season. And like you like you expected, their big fall off this year. Uh, the interesting thing about his season is he did put up two wide receiver one performances that came in weeks nine and 11. Other than that, though, not a single wide receiver to performance so now that we know who the player is curtis in comparison to the production that we've seen and that drop-off do you think that there's an exploitable delta between what the perceptions might actually be given this player's draft capital oh it sounds like you kind of were expecting it to be in that range and what we're actually seeing
2: yeah i mean i use such a tough case study because you know he's He's a pretty popular player amongst our team uh here at Roto-Biz. But at the same time, when you really now now that I have this information, I start thinking about the context of the 49ers offense, how dynamic Debo Samuel has looked in comparison to IUK. Um, the fact that Kittle is uh, they've really got the running game cooking with Elijah Mitchell. The team has basically said Trey Lance is gonna be the starter in twenty twenty two. So we're gonna have to endure a quarterback change. And a quarterback that may run a little bit more, pass a little bit less. I just don't see how the pie gets any bigger, uh, the overall pie gets any bigger next season. So I use basically is going to be forced to steal looks from Samuel, who's really been a revelation this year coming into his own, um, or, you know, Kittle, who's, you know, continually a matchup problem for opposing defenses. So I just don't see how it really gets much better. And I personally am not willing to actually pay more than the, the stated price. Uh, that I mentioned. I think, you know, I, I think Ayuk at this point, uh, we have some information where he's looked good, but he's not going anywhere anytime soon. I would almost rather um, roll the dice on, a, on a, you know, what now would be a younger prospect who could potentially land in a, in a better situation. So I'm going to stick with my evaluation even though I have more
1: information now. Yeah, I think that's perfectly fair. And one of the reasons I wanted to bring him up is with, Debo dealing with an injury right now, we might see another one or two decent to solid performances from him, which could raise his price. Uh, You know, Most leagues might have had the trading deadline closed, Uh, but if you don't, that might give you an opportunity to try to move him if you are of the opinion that he's not going to be able to live up to what we might have seen after his rookie season, which I think is a realization that a lot of people are having. Let's move on, though. We are going to talk now about a running back that has played two full seasons. They're in their third year. Now, their rookie season was pretty impressive. Put up 1,150 uh, rushing yards, seven rushing touchdowns, caught 20 passes for 166 yards. That was on 242 rushes. They played in 13 games. In 2020. 15 games, 273 rushes, 1,064 yards. I should say yards per carry in their rookie season were 4.8, 3.9 in their second year, but 12 touchdowns, Curtis, 33 receptions that year for 238 yards. This year, they have played in just nine games, 111 rushing attempts for 420 yards. That's 3.8 per carry, six touchdowns. More involved though, this year in the receiving game is they're already at 30 receptions for 198 yards. Uh, As a rookie, they had five RB1 performances, two RB2 performances, followed that up again with five RB1 performances, but four RB2 performances in their second year. Then this year, they have just one RB1 performance under their belt. But everything else except two games have been RB2 level performances. So to kind of sum this up, you had a guy that as uh a player in his first two seasons, uh compiled a pretty decent amount of yards, did pretty solid from a touchdown perspective, was flirting with an RB1 game, maybe every one and a half games. Uh, and this year we're kind of not seeing that, though they've been producing just more at an RB two level. So player who will be heading into year four. How are we feeling about this running back?
2: Yeah, I had myself muted. So that's not very good, uh, radio. Um, yeah, as you were talking through the stats, I was desperately trying to come up with names. Um, I'm not sure off the top of my head without looking at a table. if This is right. I have a sneaking suspicion that this might be Josh Jacobs. Um, but the games missed don't feel quite right, but that's the best person I could come up with. Um, you know, so going into year four, um, missing a couple games this year, showing more upside in the receiving game, but overall, you know, getting across the stripe less. I mean, going into year four, the other thing about this is, you know, we should be seeing, you know, we really in year three should be seeing peak performance from an elite type running back i mean year four you're starting to think okay we're getting toward the end of the first you know contract you know it's the final year if it's not a first round former first round pick uh in particular and so you know it's a little concerned this doesn't feel like a player that could actually accrue any more dynasty value they're they're probably they probably have already peaked um probably a player that you would have to pay a late first for would be my guess. Or maybe as the rookie draft approached a pair of seconds could potentially do it. Or like, you know, a second and future first or something like that. Um, that, that that's where I'm going to say this is. this, this feels like, this feels like maybe a late, a late first in exchange for this player.
1: Yeah, dude, you nailed it. It is Josh Jacobs. Um, well, yeah, yeah. So I'm impressed not only that you nailed that uh, without seeing the information, but also the breakdown that you provided. In my mind, where we are with a player like Jacobs, I think that sounds like the uh, a fair price that many people would expect. Personally, for me at this point, I would rather have the first round draft pick than Jacobs. Um, because he is at the point where, like you said, we can only expect that value to go down. I don't think that it's fair to expect production that is going to be like what we saw from years one or two from him, um, in the overwhelming, maybe I shouldn't say overwhelming, but in the majority of scenarios. So I would rather have the first at this point than Jacobs. Obviously it depends where it is, but I think even a late round first, I might rather that than Jacobs. What do you think of that?
2: Yeah. Um. I think it's a fair price. Um, I, I, you know, I mean, I just think it's a fair price. Um, yeah. And team context is probably what drives it. I don't think it's like a clear yes or no at that price point. Now that I know that it's Jacobs, the one thing, well, there's a couple things I'll say that um, I think adds to the breakdown here. You know, we've seen coaching changes um, and help, um, help a player like Joe Mixon put it all together a little bit later than we would typically see from a running back in the nfl and so i think there's a non-zero chance that a player like Jacobs, who now is, is almost assuredly going to have a coaching change like a permanent coaching change occur next year um and with that regime change could come a scheme change and and you know a, a coach in an offensive system that would potentially allow him to touch the ball more and be and really be a bell cow um so i think you know there's still that outside possibility of something like that happening um so, so you know that if you're if you're somebody holding and you're like man, you know, late first, that's just not compelling enough to sell off. But you know, I think there's a case to hold, um, especially with next year's draft class looking a little bit weaker in terms of immediate impact fantasy players overall versus what we've seen in the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, so I actually think. Um, this, so the last thing I'll say is this has been an immensely fun exercise, that maybe we should do more of, especially heading into the off season, because seems like i'm pretty good at it um <laughs> we should probably name this segment um but also i you know i think it, it is helpful because when you take the name off of it um you, you are now evaluating in such a way that there's 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 no emotion in it at all and it, Jacobs isn't really a player that i have a lot of exposure to across you know like 15 fantasy teams um but, you know, had I put a different value on them, it's the type of exercise where maybe what I would have thought about going out and you know trying to shake trees on a couple of shares.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over three hundred and fifty million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data
1: Yeah, for sure. So I I have a couple of names in my mind for this exercise. Uh, So it might just become a segment that we do every once in a while on here with it with a name. And maybe if I am feeling crazy, a musical drop, we'll have to see, but um, love the input there. Uh, It definitely is a helpful exercise to go through players like that. So I did mention that one thing I wanted to do here was look at the strength of schedule streaming app. Which we will do, Curtis, because I talk about this all the time. But as your league starts to head into the playoffs, and for many people that is right on the horizon, depending on the structure of your league, one thing I like to do is find two or three defenses that you can put on your team that are going to have favorable matchups. What I'm going to present now are mixtures of two teams that between weeks 15 and 17 between having those two teams, you will have a solid defense each week with a good matchup. Um, if we go into the tool and look at just weeks 15 through 17, Cincinnati actually scores the highest despite having a matchup with Kansas City, who has not been as bad of a matchup for DSTs this year as you would think in comparison to when we headed into the season, followed by LA, Cincinnati, uh, Seattle, Philly, San Francisco, Detroit, Buffalo, The Rams, Tampa Bay, Tennessee, Houston, actually, and Dallas. Here are some good combinations. Now, if you are a listener, pay attention to these. If you are not subscribing to the site, these are the type of things you get on the site that just add to the worth of it. But Philadelphia and Detroit, Philadelphia and Tampa Bay, Dallas and Philly, some of the best stacks you could put together. You got Tennessee and the Chargers, Houston and the Saints, Cincinnati and San Francisco, and Green Bay and Seattle. Go back and listen to those if I went too fast. Unfortunately for you, Curtis, I think it's going to be hard to weigh in here from the car. So we'll move on to the next segment unless you had anything to interject.
2: Um, I, all I'll say is that um, this is this is a sneaky way to find value on the site. I totally agree with that. And I actually, was a week ahead of you on this, I, I added um, several of these combinations um, across my FFPC portfolio in particular, um, I, I really start to get a felt in suspenders attitude and redraft football as the fantasy football playoffs approach. And so I, I have all kinds of Philly, especially. Um, and, and I've, I've actually... I, I think the point that you can play off of this is I don't like creation from a FAB uh, or waiver perspective and redraft once the playoff starts and actually in a lot of leagues, it's actually kind of time to lock Jab and Waiver um, once the playoff start as well. And so on, on most of my teams, I've already transitioned to two team defenses and two kickers and leagues that actually have kickers because I just and, and two quarterbacks even uh, because I just don't want to get caught, you know, with my pants down, um, you know, on, on a, a major weekend um, at the end of the season. So that, that. You can apply this also to the other one of these positions, I think, um, and and have some value out of that tight end. We don't have it for kicker, um, I don't believe, but no. for tight end and quarterback, it's also very valuable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, I, I'm glad that I mentioned this and I, I kind of wish I had done it last week because this is a good way to position your teams. And then, as you said, the exercise of getting ready now for that playoff push is pretty key um, to set yourself up. Because like you said, in a lot of the leagues that I'm in, you you actually do not have access to that uh, or, or to you only have access to a limited portion of players. Like in some leagues, once a player is dropped post week 11, they can't be added. Anyway, though, we are going to close off here with a quick look at some players that might be surprising uh, in terms of the points per game that they have put up since uh, week seven. All right. So what I did was I went into the weekly stat explorer, Curtis. I pulled um, points per game from week seven on, which for a lot of players gives us five or six games, two quarterbacks that I wanted to highlight. One that we actually talked about earlier uh, in the week, Carson Wentz averaging 19.46 across his last six games, puts him in behind Tom Brady and Jalen Hurts. In that time frame, as a QB one on the fringe of QB one territory, has been uh, Tua Tonga with nineteen point two seven in that stretch. So we talked about Michael Pittman earlier in the week, and I believe we may have mentioned Jalen Waddle fairly recently. Uh, so, and when we were talking about Pittman, I talked about how surprising uh, went to his numbers might have been at one point. Um, so I just kind of wanted to highlight that here as it kind of drives that idea home. Now, Tua, I find particularly interesting, Curtis, because Jalen Waddle has been the wide receiver 14 across the last six games. Now, they shouldn't come as that much of a surprise given what we talked about a couple weeks back when we looked at him in a historical context. Devontae Parker in his one game in that stretch put up 16.5 uh, both of those players in that mid-level wide receiver two-tier across that time. Um, so this actually is one of those things that I think sets up in a way that makes the Dolphins a hard team to break down. But I think the takeaway here is that Jalen Waddle is looking like a very good dynasty asset as we move forward.
2: Uh, yeah, a lot, to, a lot done back here. Um, I want to go back to the Colts first. Um, I think, um, you know, went being a little bit healthier now toward the end of the year, you know, out, out further from his injury, uh, that occurred back in Philadelphia. And then he was even out at the beginning of this season, um, as well. It's just nice to see him settling down because he was a total train wreck in 2020 and it looked like his career might be over. I think we're poking fun at him, in, uh, in the off season. Um, and, and, but it shows you what, um, you know, if there's something strong in your offense, you know, usually the other phase of the game can benefit from it as well. And with teams really keying up, um, to face off against that offensive line and Johnson Taylor, um, you know, it does, it does make things a little bit easier for Winston, whoever's primary targets are going to be, uh, with that being Pittman right now. So, it, it, it's great, you know, people who had that, you know, went maybe as a QB three on some super flex teams. They're getting some of that value back out of him. And he, I think he's certainly done enough and with how the Colts are performing as well, um, to carry over into 2022 as a presumed starter, um, which I think is good for him. And then, you know, on the Dolphins, they're talking about Tua, They're going to have a tough, uh, decision to make in the off season. They were tied to, to Sean Watson and so many of the rumors, um, throughout the season. And, uh, I mean, he, he has, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't say that he's wowed. I mean, he's been fantasy. Uh, he's been fantasy usable, but he, I think he has actually been better um, in this last month since he, he returned to the role again. And I think there's some hope. And with all those weapons around him, we still have never gotten to see him with Will Fuller. Uh, this was his really finger injury just taking forever. Um, it's kind of like, Nothing I've ever seen before. Uh, we may not see Fuller in a uniform at all. Um, you know the rest of the season, but um, some hope there for Tua. And then, yeah, totally agree on on Waddle. I would like to see that yards yards for reception overall get up either by increasing the uh, yards per target, air yards per target, or maybe even more yak. Um Because right now, it's kind of a situation where he, he's. Doing a better version of what Rondell Moore has been doing in, in Arizona with, you know, a, a fair amount of dink and dunk, and, you know, even on the games where we're seeing seven or eight receptions, you know, we're not breaking the 100-yard uh, mark, and uh, luckily for him, the touchdowns are, are, are coming in droves a little bit, so um, I, yeah, I like the exercise, and I think back half of the season, especially when we're talking rookie players, you know, that second half of the season when they're really hitting their stride is what leads us into some players who might really leap up in best ball ADP, you know, those early drafts that are going to start up, kind of hard to believe, you know, six to eight weeks from now, we could be doing 2022 best ball drafts already on some platforms. And I think Waddle's certainly one of those players that you have to look for uh, to spike maybe into that top 60 or top 72 of 2022 drafts.
1: Yeah, you know, the other note on uh, Waddle that that coincides with, with what you said is, he right now ranks 85th at air yards per target. He's at just 7.5. Fortunately, though, he's 47. Well, I shouldn't say fortunately, but he's 47th in yards after the catch per reception with 4.4 per, which I guess to some degree has helped him out. But with a player like Waddle that in college at points looked really explosive, was a big playmaker, a guy that you think could be used more downfield, if we start to see that emerge in his game, then it could really be, wheels up for him. The other notes that I had in looking at wide receiver that I wanted to point out, Elijah Moore across his last six games actually comes in at the wide receiver 10 with 17.17. We've talked about him, a player though, that we haven't given much attention to Curtis, and we might want to pause here for a second and do so. Darnell Mooney at 15.9 comes in behind Waddle at 16. You had Michael Pittman at 17, who we've mentioned. I'll just highlight Hunter Renfro at 21. Also, Kendrick Bourne at 23, a player that in some leagues you possibly could find your way into having on your roster. But Darnell Mooney, uh, pretty impressive stuff from, from him so far. Uh, let me know, though, if there was a guy out of the players I listed you'd rather pause and, and discuss here.
2: Yeah, I think mostly it's just it's Elijah Moore. I mean, Elijah Moore. I think you, you've got to be talking about him as a, a top 18 dynasty wide receiver at this point. He's going to shoot way up my rank in my next update because he's doing this with little trash at quarterback, but so he looked every bit the part of uh, you know the next coming of Antonio Brown, which is you know the comparison that many were making.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's been impressive, impressive stuff so far. And like you talked about, sometimes what you have to look at with these rookies is once they get into that role in their offense. And once you have more of an idea that they have solidified themselves uh, into a role, how they perform. Now he does have just two since week seven, just two wide receiver one per finish uh, performances. But I will note that even those falling into the wide receiver three range We're all around 10 points or higher uh, with a couple 13 point performances in there. And then in terms of yardage uh, in these games, he's getting um, he had one game with 141, another with 84, the other games down in that 40 range. But we're seeing a decent mixture from him of being able to get high yards per reception actually had 17.6 in week 11, 14.7 in week 10. So some weeks he's making it happen with a lot of yardage other weeks. He's seeing high targets some weeks he's seeing both. He's also found the end zone, uh, four times between weeks, nine and 11. So definitely some positive stuff there. Uh, we could probably go a little bit longer, but since Curtis is in the car and I'm worried about his battery dying, uh, Curtis, if you are still with us, why don't you kick off, uh, kick us into the weekend with some inspirational thoughts.
2: Yeah, man. Um, I've just, so I've gotten really into, uh, I've gotten really into some of the, uh, philosophers from, from hundreds or even thousands of years ago over the past couple of weeks, because I've just been trying to find ways, um, to try to make sense of, uh, you know, the struggles that I've been dealing with, you know, in in my, in my healthcare job, my day job. And, you know, how do I find resilience and stay positive? That is my default. You know, I'm, I'm a grinder. I'm a hard worker, always wanting to stay positive, you know, but when things keep happening over and over and over again and there's not an end in sight, you really have to make sure you've got your mindset locked down so you can have a great day every day and you can stay on track with your personal goals, you know, the things that you want to do with your family um, and, and, and just continue on the track uh, to achievement and, and whatever it is that you're doing, uh, regardless of your job, whether you're a student, career minded, you know, grinding fantasy, whatever it is, I, I think mindset is important and protecting it is very important. And so, um, I've, I've been getting into the, uh, the Stoics, um, you know, epic and Marcus Aurelius and, um, reading a lot of their stuff, uh, would highly recommend, um, doing just some, some cursory, like Google searching on that stuff. There's a lot of great, um, social media accounts that you can follow, um, that tweet out uh, stoic mindset stuff. But the quote I'm going to share is actually from one of the most famous samurais ever randomly, Dave, um, Miyamoto Musashi, um, one of the best, uh, sword fighters in, in the history of, uh, you know, the Japanese samurai culture. And he, he shares this. And this has been kind of like my mantra for the last week. Um, at first it may seem difficult, but everything is difficult at first. Um, and, and I think, you know, that's, that's just what it's about, man. Um, whatever you're trying to tackle. If it's hard, maybe you don't have the right skills or knowledge, but you can develop them. You can work hard and develop those things. Or you know, maybe uh, it's just a, a lot of effort, and you don't have the time. Okay, well, you can you find ways to make the time. Um, but as you do something, as you get those mental reps in, um, as something becomes a habit, it becomes easier. As you gain the experience, it becomes easier, and you know the load starts to feel lighter. And so uh, I'll say it once again to commemorate it, but. Uh, at first, it may seem difficult, but everything is difficult at first. Thank you, Rodu Musashi.
1: Wow. All right. I like that one. Uh, it was almost so good that I was going to let us just close down with that, but I just wanted to share with you, Curtis, that uh, hearing Marcus Aurelius from you lets me know that you're in a, that you're in a good place. If you had brought up Diogenes, for anybody that's familiar with his work, I would have known that you were struggling. So... <laughs>
2: oh yeah. Uh, uh, yeah I mean for real Dave uh, I, I would really encourage people um, I would really encourage people to do some research um, outside of their fantasy time you know that they, they've got dedicated or next time you're tempted to save your lineup for the fourth time when you know it's already in there instead just go spend 30 seconds researching mindset um it, it's really valuable and it's good for your mental health
1: all right. Thanks, everybody, for checking in. Thanks, Curtis, for sharing that message. Uh, Hope everybody's games go well. And we will see every one of you next week.